Good to see you all, folks, and uh, great to be together. Uh, we, we have been learning uh, a new vocabulary, having a Zoom tea, right? A year ago, <laughs> what, what, what would that have meant? I mean, nothing, but now we're talking with such familiarity of uh, things that we knew not of in previous times, and we're grateful for the opportunities that we have that we can, in the midst of something like this, continue to uh, share the Word of God and gather both in person and virtually. And so, um, a special shout out to all of you who are watching from home, and uh, to you here, uh, as we open the Word of God, we just ask Him to work and move in our hearts and in our lives. Uh, we've been going through a series that has gone all through this, um, uh, all, all through this fall, and we entitled it Grow Up, because God is desirous of us growing spiritually. Now, any of you who are parents have an understanding of you have this child, and um, when that child came on the scene, uh, six or seven or eight or nine or 12 pounds or whatever your child was, you were looking for growth. You were looking to see that child grow and develop. And so it is with God. Spiritually, he wants us to grow and to develop in the relationship that we have with him. And uh, ultimately, that growth and that maturing looks like in the end, and, and our goal is to look like Jesus, to be like Jesus, to sound like Jesus, to do what Jesus would do. And, and, and that's what God's plan for us is. And, and, and we want to increasingly become the, and take upon ourselves the beauty of Jesus Christ. As I say, the goal of it all is transformation, life transformation, that we would be more like Jesus. Um, now, in, uh, in our time together, uh, we want to look at um, what, why we say that. And in Grow Up, it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness, into the likeness of Jesus, with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That is, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we have this close and intimate interaction with him, when he takes away the veil so that we see and understand and perceive, and when we spend that time with him, he begins to rub off on us, and we are changed from glory to glory to glory to glory in increasingly becoming more like Jesus. The Apostle Paul had put it in Romans 8 like this, for God, those God foreknew, he predestined, here's his plan for us, to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And so our goal is to be like Jesus in every way. And so just as we grow physically, um, just as we grow intellectually and socially and, and emotionally we're, and we're healthy, so it is also with us that God wants us to grow spiritually. And so we've been focusing this whole fall on this uh, 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 series. 
Now, we say this is really kind of the last in this series, but this series never ends because what we do every day, uh, every week, year to year to year, is we seek to become more like Jesus, to understand him, uh, to, come, uh, to come to know him better, to get closer to him, and to have him place his stamp upon us in our lives. And now, listen, we're, we're all at different places in this journey. If you, if you could see this trajectory going, um, there's some people who are brand new Christians. There are some who have been believers for a little while. There, there are some people who are, uh, have been walking with, with Jesus for years and years and years. And, 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 uh, but this never ends. The Apostle Paul would, would say, you know, I haven't arrived you know, and if anybody was mature in their faith, it was the Apostle Paul. And, and so here we are, and uh, we, we will contribute as a church. That's our, our goal. That's our mission, is to help us as followers of Jesus grow in Christ-likeness. And uh, we need to cooperate with all of that. Now, as I said, uh, we're all at different places, but hopefully all of us are on this trajectory of growth. And, and what I want to just do is a really quick review of where we've been. Um, here's, here's where our journey's been this fall. We started with the Word of God, and, and we said, you know, you can't, you can't grow without, uh, uh, physically without spiritual nutrition. And, and when it comes to this, we can't grow spiritually without being nurtured, and that nurture comes from the Word of God. Like newborn babes, Peter would say, uh, receive this pure spiritual milk. What is he talking about? He's talking about feeding from the Word of God. And we start out on the bottle, and we later on we take and, and uh, are able to consume uh, solid food. But we start out that way. Uh, eating a good spiritual diet, engaging in the Word of God and doing what the Word of God is instructing us to do. Well, secondly, it was prayer. And we said there's an interesting thing about prayer uh, that contributes to our growth, and that is prayer goes with reading and studying the Bible. And, and we talked about prayer in, in a dialogue that God speaks to us through his word and we speak back to him in prayer and we deal with the things that God is telling us about in his word. And, and, and so the next one, uh, this is a real fan favorite, uh, suffering, suffering. Well, why do, why do you have to put suffering? What, what's, with, what's with that? Uh, God can use difficulties, trials, and, and challenges in our life to make him more like us. And I know this is kind of painful to hear it because none of us wants calamity in our life or things that, that don't go well. But, but God works, he promises, in all things uh, to help us become more and more like Jesus. And so through some of these difficult experiences, we're, we're, we learn how to trust God for more. We learn um, how to put our faith in him and how he begins to forge character in us. I mean, when we look at the path that Jesus is on, uh, I mean, Jesus himself uh, experienced uh, all of these kind of things, and he said, we shouldn't be surprised if we have to go through some of the same things. Well, there's community. God birthed us into a family, and, and in this family, uh, we help each other. 
We, we, we pick each other up when we fall down. We hold each other accountable. We use the gifts that God gives us and, and, and we, we help each other in that way. So, and, and I, I said to you if, you, if you're not in a life group, you're missing out on some serious growth uh, because that's a place where we can do that. Um, serving, we've all been equipped with gifts to serve the body of Christ. And so what we need to do, and Pastor Daniel said, when we serve, we grow. And when we grow, we serve. There's this symbiotic relationship. And then generosity in giving. Uh, we just heard about that last week. Um, if we would be like Jesus, we're going to have to have a generous, magnanimous heart and spirit about us. And, and that's what Jesus was like. And he wants us to be giving caring people, and sharing our faith. So sharing our faith, he wants us to, to take the wonderful things that God has done and given to us and share that with others. And, and I trust that as we have journeyed through these weeks, you've been applying some of these things to, to your uh, life, and you've seen growth. And if you have, uh, maybe you've missed some, Maybe you weren't here for, for two or three of these or something like that. You can go back into our archives and you can listen to those messages and, and I trust that it'll help you as you form character because that's what God wants in us. It's been said that uh, uh, the best advertisement for Christianity is Christians and the worst advertisement for, Christi for, for Christianity is Christians. <laughs> Does that sound like double talk? I mean, what, what I'm saying is this. We are a walking advertisement for, for our faith in Jesus Christ. And we can either leave a really positive understanding and note to that, or, or we can hurt and harm the cause of Christ in that way. Um, my wife worked with a woman who, uh, bless her heart, was, was willing to share at her workplace that she was a follower of Christ. The problem was in that, that her testimony wasn't really that good. She took the easiest assignments she could. She would take extra time at, uh, at breaks, and uh, she would talk about people, and, and she was not liked by the people. They didn't, nobody wanted to work with her. Nobody wanted to be with her. And, and so it's sad when, when there's something like that where we are more of a hindrance than a help to it. And so Jesus wants us um, to be people of this deep character that, that, uh, that we would be like Jesus in that way. So the question is, how does that, how does that work? Well, in, uh, in Colossians 3, Paul gives us some help in this. Uh, he talks first about a reoriented life, that when we become a believer, something seriously changes in our life. In chapter 2 of, of Colossians, it says this. Paul is talking about baptism, and he says this. You have been buried with him, that is with Jesus, in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, when a person is baptized, they're identifying with Jesus Christ. And when they go into the water, it's, it's, it's a picture of their death with Christ, their death to their old life, their, their death to the self-will that they had, and, and um, 
and, and how they were concerned with themselves, how they, did, they didn't follow God's ways. They, didn't, they rebelled against him. And so he says, what, what we need to do is we need to remember that we died to something and we were made alive in resurrection to a brand new life. Here's what, uh, here's what Paul would say. Since then, you've been raised with Christ, which he told us in chapter 2. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So he, he says this, you need a reorientation of how you think, of how you process, of what's important to you, of what your values are. Uh, you need to set your mind on above things. You, you can't be so wrapped up in the things of this world that, you are, that, that it's not heaven that is dictating to you how you should live by God's uh, eternal values. The whole perspective is oriented toward God. Well, what does this mean? It means this. It means we need a break with the past. And this is what he'll tell them. If we're going to be people of character, strong character, if we're going to be like Christ, we need a break with our old life, the old life that was buried with Christ in baptism, and that life then that would be renewed. And um, so God had... Uh, before we became followers of Jesus, we, we lived in for ourselves. We lived and did our, what we wanted. We, we went our own way. I, I remember the prophet Isaiah said, uh, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to a, his or her own way. And, and that's, we need to make a break with that past, with that life that had no place and no time for God, that rebelled against God. So Paul says, we need to have a change. He, he says, we need to put it to death. We need to live a new walk and, and, put, and get rid of the old life or the old walk of our life. We need to rid ourselves of sinful behaviors. We'll, we need to take off the old garments. I told you guys uh, a few weeks ago that uh, in my teen years, we moved to a, a pig farm. And I was a pig farmer for a time. And um, I wouldn't wear good clothes in the barn. I'd wear uh, coveralls. And these coveralls would have manure on them. They would stink. They would be dirty. They never got in the house. Um, you took off those old clothes. And he says it's, it's that way as a Christian. We take off that old lifestyle, the old way we used to be. And then he gives us um, a list of things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lying, erecting, uh, erecting barriers, and being prejudicial. All of that stuff was a part of the old life. And, and he says we need to have, make a break with the past. Uh, we've abandoned all of those things and, and because God has a desire for us that is far beyond that. And so we need to abandon that old lifestyle. And what he, does, what he wants us to do, uh, not only does he want us to make a break with the past, uh, he also wants us to put on new clothes. So I said, you get rid of the old 
dirty old, smelly old coveralls and you put on new clothes. You clothe yourself, in, in essence, with Christ. And when we do that, what we do is we embrace our identity. He, listen to what he says. This is, this is beautiful. Um, he says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, he wants us to embrace an identity, a new identity, an identity of who we are. He says this, you are God's chosen people. What does that remind you of? When God chose Israel and made them his chosen people, he's now in the New Testament saying this. He's saying, God wants you to understand that you are a chosen person of his. This is interesting because uh, we tend to think we chose God. But before we ever chose God, God chose us. In fact, in Ephesians 1 and verse 4, it says that he chose us before the creation of the world. He looked down in time. He saw us. He, he, he chose us. What a beautiful thing. You are his child, not because you chose him first, but he chose you first. In spite of your past, in spite of your rejection, in spite of your rebellion, God chose you and me by his grace. He says also, you're holy. Holy. Holy means something that is, is set apart. It's dedicated. It's pure. It, it's, it's, it's removed from what is common and, and, and set uh, apart with God. And so it's, it's God who purifies us and makes us clean and that we are holy before him. It's unlike uh, the description of those who are not believers. We have, who have put our trust in Christ, realize that he chose us and he set us apart for his purpose. And that thirdly, he's, uh, we are dearly loved. I mean, can you imagine? This is God Almighty and he loved me. He loved me so much, and this is where these all come together. He, he loved me. He chose me. He set me apart. He made me special. And, and, and all of that was done not on the basis of anything that I have done or accomplished or any goodness of me. It's all of God's grace alone. Well, you and I, if we are believers in Jesus, he wants us to understand our identity as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved by him. So he describes this kind of character that we're supposed to live out. It, these are the new clothes that we're supposed to wear, that we replace that old uh, wardrobe. And uh, here's what he wants for us. Here's what we should look like. Here's what we should uh, uh, be like. He says this, first, clothe yourself with compassion. Compassion is a deep feeling of caring and pity and mercy uh, welling up within us. Those who are, who are struggling, uh, those who are, are having problems, we look at them and if we have compassion, there's something stirs deep inside us and we have this desire to help and to relieve what they're going through. Uh, if... if uh, uh, Jesus himself, because we're to be like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is looking, and he sees the crowds and the masses coming to him. And it says that 
he had compassion upon them because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. They had problems, and he sees them coming to, and something wells up in his heart that would cause him to, uh, to have deep compassion for them. Um, it's such a beautiful thing to see uh, the, the compassion that God has for us and the compassion that we ha- should have for others. We, we, see, we see Jesus at the, at the graveside of his friend. <laughs> what does he do? He's weeping. He has compassion. Let me ask you a question. Do you see people who are struggling and hurting and going through difficult times? And does something well up in, within you that says, oh, this just breaks my heart to see a, a child in this, in this instance or, or what a person is going through or how, how a family is fractured or whatever it is, uh, physical suffering. Uh, there is a desire to see that uh, resolved. And, uh, and that's Jesus. He goes on and he says kindness. There's kindness. Um, or, or also translated goodness sometimes. When a person is moved emotionally, but do nothing. That's compassion without kindness. See, kindness will put some feet to that. It, it, it'll, it'll help us to not just feel for something, but want to do something to help. Uh, want to reach out, to have the impetus to do that. Kindness will be that charitable act that we will do in the name of Christ to help others. And it's interesting that in Romans 2, verse 4, it says that, that God himself is kind and that kindness should attract people to come to him for salvation. That's kindness. Uh, last week when Daniel was pray, uh, uh, sharing with us about the, the uh, shoeboxes and the need, praise God, at the end of the service, um, we were inundated with money to care for those, and, and, and so far beyond what we had anticipated, people were, had felt for that, but they did something. They, they put it into action, and that's kindness. And then humility. Humility, that self-effacing, this, this not concerned with just ego, my ego, and who I am, and, and my image. Uh, and, and not to be able to rejoice in, this, in, in the successes of others because why did they get it? I should have it. It's all about me, 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 and our sins. Uh, I think largely almost all sin is sourced in some way in pride, and we see that even starting with, with Satan going right through. Humility. If you look at Jesus who made himself nothing, who emptied himself, who became uh, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even a death on the cross. That's humility. And Christians should be known for humility. The interesting thing is, in, in the world that, uh, that Paul was in here, humility was not something that you would cherish. You would say, that's weakness. You need to force yourself ahead, and you need to, you know, no, that, that was not God's way. Humility. Um, it's not who has bragging rights. It's who can lift up others. And then gentleness. Gentleness, is, it's an interesting word. It sounds to us like weakness, but it's not at all that. In fact, it, it, the, the sense of that is strength under control. 
So, and one of the pictures for a word picture for that word and what it means is this. If you can imagine a big, powerful horse, a steed, like a thousand pounds, and putting a little child on that animal and giving the reins into its hand, and it would be submissive to that. It, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't blow off. It wouldn't, it wouldn't throw that child. It would, it would be submissive, gentle. And, and here, is, here is the plan for us that we would be people who are strong, but that strength is under control. We don't, we don't, we don't use it for our own uh, means and getting ahead. Uh, there's just that gentleness. Jesus, Jesus is he's hanging on the cross, is mocked. And, and in that mocking, um, he doesn't return. When he was reviled, he didn't revile again, the scripture said. And, and in, instead, he, he says he, he could have called 12,000 angels, uh, tw- uh, 12 legions of angels to come, but, but he didn't. He exhibited gentleness, no counterattack, and patience, um, long-suffering, in other words. When, when you lose your cool, when you get frustrated because your kid keeps saying, mommy, mommy, I want this, mommy, mommy, I want it, mommy, mommy, I want it, and, and, and you've about had it, and, and you, you lose it. And, and it, it's about patience. It's about when you're tested, when, when things keep coming back at you, uh, you, you hold on to that. It's a, it's a fascinating word in Greek. It, 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 the, the word is made up of two words, macro, a lot, big, and thumos, um, heat, or fire. It, it, it's, it takes a lot for you to blow your stack, in other words. It's a long time, and that's patience, and, and that's what God wants of us. Again, that is a, a, a trait of God. And then bear with one another. Put up with one another. Hang in there. It's, it's related to the, that. Um, some people can be difficult to, to live with. Even as Christians, we, we, we find we're, we can be more inclined to certain relationships than others. There are some people that, that uh, we find difficult connecting with. Um, we, and, and we're told, though, to bear with, to put up with one another. Grace learns to do that. Even when somebody maybe rubs you the wrong way, you bear with them. And then forgive one another. Uh, and Pastor Daniel talked about that in giving and forgiving. So important. Uh, because all of us are going to blow it. All, I'll blow it sometime. All of us are going to do things that we regret. All of us are, are going to hurt others or maybe be hurt by others. And, and we need to be able to extend grace and forgiveness to others. If we're going to be like Jesus, who is hanging on the cross and saying, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Uh, that's a huge, huge step. That you don't do uh, in, in uh, your own strength. Only God could. And then he says love. Love is what holds everything together. It ties everything together. That love that Jesus demonstrated, that offered his life for us, that he, he so willingly did that. And, and that's supposed to be something that, that is so uh, uh, 
binding and unifying all of the characters, characteristics that we have there. It would be what Jesus would say when he said, I, I give you an, a new commandment. And that new commandment is to love one another as I have loved you. And, and that raises the bar so high. He, he, he made that the spiritual litmus test of faith. This is how you know who are my followers, those of you who love like this. That's going to be the spiritual litmus test for us, uh, that we see God's perfection and beauty and, and uh, character in us, all bound with love. And then he goes, uh, he has a couple of other things that he wants to share. Thank you. He tells us to live peaceably in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. He says this, you, you, need, to, you need to make sure that you're at peace with others. I don't think he was talking about an inner peace in us. I think he's talking about uh, how we can have peaceful relationships with other people. And he's, it's, a, there, it's a, a, a word, the word is actually to umpire. It's a sports word. Let the peace of Christ umpire. Let him, let him keep uh, peaceable uh, relations with other people. We, we need to have good relationships. Remember what Jesus said? Um, he, wanted, uh, he wanted us to be peacemakers, not trouble starters peacemakers, and also to let the word of God take root in our life. He says this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through psalms, hymns, and, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. He says, let the word of God settle down and take and, and find a home in your, in your person. Uh, let, it, let it in there, and where we started was the Word of God, how it shapes us and moves us and, 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 and forges in us in that. So he said, let Christ, let his message take root, uh, be at home in your life, and, and let him change that character. And then finally, he says this, uh, live life in recognition of Jesus' lordship. He says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That is, whatever we do, you know, we, we put a little addendum on the end of our prayers, in Jesus' name. And he says here, um, we, what we need to do is, whether, whatever we do in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. What is this? This is... It needs to be done in such a way that Jesus would sanction it. It would be done in such a way that you want Jesus' will to be done. It's done in such a way that, that Jesus could bless it. Jesus could want us that. And, and it's done in such a way that it would honor him and lift him up and exalt him. And, and, and he says there, and give thanks. Do you notice the last three verses that we did? Thankfulness, thankfulness be grateful, and give thanks. And, and so we, of all people, should be uh, uh, 
more grateful than any other, any other people. We have been so blessed by God that thanksgiving should mark our life. And that's how uh, God wants it for us. So the goal is to become like Jesus, to look like him, to sound like him, to do what he does, to be Christ, um, and to reflect his beauty. Um, you know, people watch, uh, people watch and examine our lives, particularly if we're Christians. And they, what they want to know is, is this guy a phony? Is this a hypocrite? Or is this thing for real? Uh, is this the kind of thing that we, we put on? Because I said at the start, the, the uh, best advertisement for Christianity is us. And, and are we aware that when we're out there, that the world will be judging us on the basis of our faith? Uh, if we're true to that, if we're living close to him, if we're reflecting his love and, and, and glory. You know, there was, I, I remember a chorus we sang years and years ago. I think there'll be a few of you that may know this chorus, but it was, let the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. All his wondrous compassion and purity. O thou spirit divine, all my nature refine till the beauty of Jesus be seen in me. May I suggest to you that that is the prayer of us? Lord, let the beauty of your, the character of your son be a part of our life. Mold us and make us and fashion us so that people see us and they, when they see us, they see beyond us. They see Christ in us. And that's the kind of thing that, that Jesus said, I want my people to be marked by this Christ-like character. I want them to see the love that you have for one another and to say, man, that's not something that you see every day. This, that's not something that I've experienced. And, and uh, I want to ask, you know, that we would think about that. Uh, a number of years ago, uh, in a Thanksgiving service, at the end of the service a while, um, an elder came and spoke to me and said, um, there's a guy in the washroom crying. Do you want to come with me? And, and so I, I invited that, uh, that young man to, uh, uh, to come and, and have a, a, a chat with us. He'd come out the day before. We had, we had had an open house for our church. And one of our members brought this guy who, was a, who, who had wor worked for him. And uh, I, I never forget what he said. Uh, he said, um, what do you have to do to come to church? Like, do you have to sign in? Well, because we do now. But, but, but then that was, you know, do, do I have to sign in? Or what do I have to do to come to church? I said, you can just come to church. Uh, you're welcome to come. You don't have to, you don't have to get dressed up. Just, just come. And he came. This was the guy who was in the bathroom crying. He had an addiction to, uh, to uh, prescription drugs. His life was a mess. And, and he, he just sensed that God's presence was there. And he opened his heart to Christ. What a, what a beautiful, beautiful ending to that service. And I said to him, look, let's get together and let's have a chat. And, and it, was, it was so fascinating because... Uh, he came in about a week and a half later, and he said, you know, it's so strange. I find that I'm different. 
I said, what, what do you mean? Well, somebody cut me off today, and normally I would be, I'd be tailgating them, I'd be on the horn, and, and he said, I just felt like I didn't want to be like that. I didn't want to do that. And, and you see, when Christ is working in us, when we surrender to him, he makes of us something beautiful. And, and uh, I want to ask the question of all of us, is our lifestyle, is how we live and how we show Christ, is it the kind of thing that hinders people from coming to Christ or is it the kind of thing that people say, man, there's something about this, this, this God thing, this Jesus thing, and it's changing people's lives. And I just, I just can't help but think, what would it be like if that was happening in every home? What would it be like if that was the way it was in your workplace? What would it be like if, if that was what was going on in schools? What would it be like if that's how it worked in government? And, and friends, we have been called to follow Christ, to allow him to shape us and mold us and make us into the beauty that is Jesus. And, uh, and we've been talking about a pathway to spiritual uh, growth. And I just want to give you a, a little kind of sequential thing that you might think of that will help you in your spiritual growth. A pathway to spiritual growth. Well, the first thing, if you're going to grow spiritually, you have to be alive spiritually. So to become a follower of Jesus, uh, to open your heart and life to him, to put your trust and your faith in him, and to hear him say that uh, if we can be born again spiritually, have a new birth, if, if you haven't done that, then that's the starting place to open your heart to Jesus who loves you, who died for you, to pay the penalty for your sins, and, and he brings you into his family. That's the starting point. Then the second one is join others in believing and worshiping together on Sundays. When you do that, just come and be a part of the family of God and learn. And we're told that we're to be baptized as well. And so if you haven't been baptized yet, when you think of where you are and, and the steps that you're taking, you need to be baptized. It was a command. And uh, if you haven't done that, please uh, call into the, uh, uh, or email in the office at uh, uh, info at uachome.org, and, and we'll be happy to talk to you about baptism and how that's the next important step. And then we have, uh, we've run alpha courses or foundations courses where you can get established just uh, some in, in initial kind of teaching to get you going in your faith, and then join a life group be with people who are helping and supporting each other. And, and that's such a critical part. And then serve with the gifts that God has given you. And take advantage of the programming. We have special opportunities that come and teaching on this or that or a seminar. Or uh, we've had some people even go to seminary. Um, but, but there's a whole process that we can help each other in the growth. And I want to encourage you to do that um, as, we, as we look to follow and to become who Jesus wants us to become. 
So my dear friends, I just, uh, I just want to encourage you. Uh, we wanted this to be a time of spiritual growth. And if we apply these things, we will grow. But we need that discipline too because we, sometimes we make a good start and then we, we uh, finish too soon. So let me just uh, pray and, and, and encourage us. We'll call our musicians up, please. Our Father, we thank you so much that we can know you, that you can make us like Jesus. And Father, that's your goal for us. And I, I just pray that you would help us in this journey of faith. I, I pray that, that we, you would saturate us with your love, with grateful hearts, uh, hearts of compassion and, and humility, people who are forgiving and giving and I pray, Father, that we'll see increasingly the mark left on us, on our families, on, on those we work with, on those we go to school with, our neighbors, Lord, that they would see something of the beauty of Jesus in us. And Father, I pray that they'll see the reality that will cause them to question what it is that makes us tick and that we can share with them the good news about Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray, amen.